0: Welcome to the Pixel Paper Podcast, a series where we get to know the creative processes behind up and coming digital artists. My name is Noor, graphic designer and work in progress artist, and I'll be your host for this series. Today's episode is an email interview, read and commentated on by yours truly. Hello, everyone. Today's episode, it's just gonna be me, and I hope you don't mind too much. I mean, it's been a while since we've done one of these email interview episodes, but I think this will be a good one because we have a Polish illustrator today. We have Kamila Stankovic who works worldwide as an illustrator. She says that she loves drawing for her clients and herself and learning new stuff. Now, I really wanted to interview Kamila because She has a really magical look to her illustrations and that's kind of the impression that you get when you first see her Instagram. And that's exactly why I wanted to interview her. So I asked her to talk us through her art journey and how she got started. So she says that she started drawing like most people who love drawing in her early years of her life. And she always knew she wanted to draw. She preferred drawing to painting actually back then. And she actually failed the exam at the Warsaw Academy of Art. She said that she was quite good technically, but she now knows that she didn't practice as much as she should have, so uh, practice makes perfect, everyone. She actually instead did landscape architecture. Hello, we have another architect in the house. <laughs> but after a few months of work as a landscape architect, she was certain that it wasn't exactly right for her, although she does love gardens and plants and then she wanted to try working as an illustrator as she had always intended and this time the shoe fit and she had luck she does a lot of children's book illustrations and she thinks it's probably because they are one of the most popular themes in illustration which makes sense obviously children's book illustration is a very big industry and she also feels like a natural in this field because it allows the full use of your imagination but she does say that sometimes she would like to paint for adults because she does like the comic style and also horror (laughs) which actually if you go on her website you'll see that she kind of has a bunch of different styles which was actually quite interesting for me because on Instagram she keeps a very uh, similar aesthetic well she keeps an aesthetic basically which is this kind of very green, uh, pretty let's say children's illustrations and I actually kind of see the landscape architecture tying in like because her illustrations are so green so I I can see that being reflected. Having just talked about her website if you go on there you can see that she also does animations so I was really interested to learn more about her animation process and she explains that she really loves the 2D look though she has recently gotten into Blender which is a open source 3D software. She's created a few animations for clients and it, even though it's fascinating, it's also very time-consuming especially when it's a one-person job and anyone who has tried animation, even animating for like three seconds, yeah, you will know how much of a job it is. So initially she'll start with the brief or the scenario, she'll get that from the client and then she'll create a storyboard which she'll then send for feedback. And then she'll create illustrations that she'll be animating. She does say that she uses motion graphics style because it's a lot easier than frame by frame. Um, so that is, that is what she uses. And then after all of that comes the ridiculously long process of animation, corrections, and polishing. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, it's a long process, obviously. <laughs> but I think the result is definitely worth it when it comes to animations. just because even just a tiny bit of animation like the hair flowing a bit or like some leaves or even if for example what I like to do a lot is just take a still uh, illustration I'll kind of do a slow zoom in and then if the illustration kind of permits or maybe I'll I'll add this in um, I'll either add snow or falling leaves or cherry blossoms falling you know something falling and animated and you can find tutorials online on how to do that, it's actually quite easy um, if you have the video editing software that is. <laughs> I asked her if her process differs when doing client work because I know that obviously a lot of people listening to this may may be starting out in illustration or um, they may be kind of making that switch into doing more professional work, so I wanted to know what her process is like And she says that when I get a commission offer, I have to know if it fits my style or style, since she has quite a wide range. And also if it's something exciting for her, me. I realized I I was talking in first person, and now I've switched. I'm just gonna talk in third person for this entire interview. She says that the more she loves the story or the theme, the better, Uh, the better she'll do her job. And of course the budget also has a lot of impact And she searches for opportunities that kind of, you know, have a good balance between those two. And luckily she can find a lot of them now, but it wasn't always easy, especially when she was first starting out. And I guess this is kind of the case with everyone in every kind of career. It's really hard when you're starting out. But once you get that one job, then you can kind of it's kind of like a snowball effect and you can just keep building on that momentum. I was really curious about her mediums because she, it seems like she really enjoys simulating traditional media into her digital art. Uh, she even has made an extensive watercolour brush pack which I had a look through. It looks amazing. And she also is the one that introduced me to the Realistic Painting Studio app, which I made a YouTube video on recently. I say recently, I'm filming this or recording this in uh, August and this is going to come out in late September or October. So. Yeah, but anyways, I was curious to know, you know, if she thinks she can get the same results digitally as she can traditionally, and uh, when when is it best to use traditional versus digital? Her answer is, she knows that you can never fully simulate traditional media with uh, digital mediums, but you can get a very close result, and you can even sometimes have a similar painting process. For example, she says that the watercolor spreading simulation in Rebel is magical. So I think Rebel is a painting software. But of course, they are very different still. Digital art lets you be more precise and improve, or improvise, should I say. And you can repeat every step. Obviously, Control Z. I'm pretty sure every artist that I've interviewed has mentioned Control Z. You know what? I should have called this podcast Control Z. That would have been a lot better. Anyways. But of course the happy accidents and unpredictable splashes are kind of what makes traditional media exciting and fun it's also easier to kind of get tired with working on a real oil or watercolor painting and you can kind of stop painting and call it done whereas with digital there's literally no end to the tweaking since it's so easy to do She actually doesn't know which technique is better for her because she loves them both. Uh, She loves painting traditionally, but only when she has the time and you can also have a a physical piece which you you can hang on your wall. But in her work she uses digital media more often since it's quicker to work in and it's a lot easier to make corrections. Obviously, I found her work through social media, so I was wondering how she uses it to enhance her practice. This is actually a question I've been asking a lot of digital artists lately, just because I'm really curious to know their take on it. As for a lot of artists, she says that social media is a love-hate relationship. You know, all the likes and the followers may suggest that your art is worth only as as much as the amount of likes it gets, but that's not necessarily true, and I 100% attest to that because You know, a lot of the people I interview on the podcast, they may not be super social media savvy or they may just be starting out, but they uh, may have been an illustrator for a while or they're probably quite experienced, but they don't have the following which reflects that, which is kind of the reason I wanted to start this podcast really, because I wanted to give kind of a platform for uh, lesser known artists who, you know, have still really amazing skills. Social media also forces you to do regular posting and... She actually questions this and she says, is producing a fully finished good piece of art every day still art or is it more like a production? And that's actually a very interesting question. We not only create, but sometimes we spend more on social media consuming art and this can actually lead to tears of envy and social media can just be frustrating at so many levels. But having said that, she says that There are obviously also good sides like it has forced her to make more practices and studies and regular posting has also become her routine. So obviously there are good and bad sides to regular posting. It also satisfies her need for creating personal pieces. As a lot of people have said, it's the contact with the followers and the conversations that you have that really kind of makes things meaningful. you know as humans obviously we're always trying to find those meaningful connections even if it's through an anonymous platform like social media so she says that she's very inspired by the brilliant works that she finds on social media and envy can actually be a really good thing when you use it to motivate yourself instead of bringing yourself down and i think that's a really nice quote actually it also gives a lot of great job opportunities and contacts and In summary, she thinks that she can still see more pros for artists when it comes to using social media. It's just that you have to use it wisely as with anything in life. I really love her colour choices so I wanted to know how does she choose her colours and what inspires these colours. And she says that she recently actually made an online course uh, where she went back to basics like compositions, colour palettes and everything and it made her realise that she has a really spontaneous approach to colors and she doesn't actually think about you know like complementary triadic analogous whatever you know she kind of just adjusts and corrects <laughs> you know <laughs> trial and error basically she says nature inspires her the most she loves bright and vivid colors with lots of contrast because it's clearly visible when they are right next to each other i think um when people kind of do things Instinctually, like when I've asked uh, people how do they choose colors, and they say it comes naturally to them, they probably have had a lot of exposure to it beforehand, or they're either just very good at studying colors. Okay, apparently the second half of this podcast didn't record, so I'm having to re-record this. So I apologize if there's any uh, differences in the sound. But after that question, I asked Camilla what inspires her characters and how does she come up with them and the stories behind them? Because she has really um, kind of magical characters, mostly women or females, um, mostly kind of like fairy-like or very mystical, like something you'd see in a fairy tale. So she says that a lot of her characters that she draws are from folktales, fairy tales, or just put into a fantasy world, which is literally what I just explained. And they are in major part girls, daydreamers, fantasy creatures... Or children on, mysterious, on the mysterious paths of childhood and she generally likes to create new characters each time but sometimes the characters and their stories stick for longer like in the case of a comic that she's uh she's never actually drawn because of lack of time or uh, a character called blue rose girl who she tried modeling for the first time in Blender as a 3d character which is pretty cool Obviously, she creates children's book illustrations, so the work she creates should be telling a story. And so I asked her what what kind of stories she wishes to tell through her work and what messages she wants to leave with the viewer. So she says that she's trying to avoid very straightforward and clear messages. Uh, she actually prefers to give a viewer some clues and open endings. And she thinks her illustrations are more like an invitation into the story rather than the story itself which is a really nice way of saying things because I suppose as a children's book illustrator you're kind of just giving or you're kind of just supporting the writing itself so they rather than competing with each other they should be complementing each other so I quite like that the way she said that she likes reading things and stories and the stories that other people see in her illustrations and often They are more interesting than the idea itself. If she has to give kind of like a name or a general thought behind the art that she makes, it's basically trying to say that the world is a magical place if you only look carefully enough. So that's kind of the intent behind her work and I feel like she does convey that quite well. I asked her who her inspirations were and she said that she really likes 19th century art in general, especially like the decorative and comic-like art of Art Nouveau style. And as for artists, uh, in today's 21st century, she really likes Loish and Natalia Pierre Pierandry? Gosh, I completely butchered that, I apologise. Since she has a really soft spot for colours, she also admires artists who know how to use them really well, like Nathan Fox, And she's also a fan of works by Kim Minhee and Ji Hyuk Kim, as well as Lopatin. But there are obviously a lot more, these are just some. I was really curious because she seems to post a lot on Instagram so I wondered if she ever had creative slumps and how did she pull herself out of that but her answer was quite interesting because she said that she doesn't actually get creative slumps because she feels like making art is kind of like a need for her, like you need to eat, sleep and drink, she must also draw and paint and even though that's the case her illustration work or her I guess client work is not uh, something which satisfies this need so she has to draw for herself to feel fully happy. therefore she is or she says that she is productive all the time but it's not because she's focused or disciplined it's more like a default setting so she can't really take credit for that which I think is quite interesting but I mean surely there must be like some kind of habit that she's done which has kind of created that default setting I don't know however she does really like learning new things switching styles media apps and brushes and that keeps her kind of on her toes and there's always a lot of fascinating things to try and to learn and um that is really true because especially since I started this podcast I have actually gone off digital art I suppose you can say like I've been trying a lot more um soft pastel art and I've been getting into or getting back into urban sketching both in pen and in pencil so that's been really interesting and it's been really fun and it's kind of um given me a break from the screen which has been really nice other things which allow her to forget about her passion for art is um, journeys and books, which are also journeys in a sense. I asked her what advice she would give to herself when she was starting out and she gave two pieces of advice, the first of which is she would actually make less polished works and more sketches and exercises and on- and do online courses, which is a really valuable advice I think, because I feel like we Um, In such a fast paced world, we feel the need to create an immaculate portfolio and we kind of just skip the learning stage. I mean, I know I've done that or I am doing that a lot, Um, especially when it comes to like trying to get a job. You feel the need to just do, do, do and and, like just make the best work ever and, you know, polish it. But it's also equally important to make sure that you're learning and, and kind of making the room to make errors, I suppose. The second piece of advice she suggests is don't take commissions you would not want to show in your portfolio. It's better to wait for the better opportunities or create your own project because true passion and excitement are visible through art. She thinks that those are the two most important pieces of advice that she would suggest. And my final question to Camilla was where does she wish to see herself in the future? And even though it's a difficult, you know, question, she wishes that she could have more freedom and nothing can give it on the scale as starting your own projects. But of course that also brings a lot of new duties like, you know, marketing and promotion and strategies and taxes and all that stuff. So she would love to create comics based on Polish folk tales or illustrate her own book. Or her final dream is to have enough money to live in a quiet countryside and paint all day long with watercolours in an orchard and she's still trying to figure that one out but I do hope that she can do that because that sounds really lovely. And that's all the questions I had for Camilla, it was quite an interesting interview, I kind of learned uh, quite a bit in terms of just letting go, I feel like I learned that a lot from the artist I interview is just to kind of let go and just let the creative process Do as it should do, and don't force it, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I have learned a lot from Camilla, even just looking at her work. I mean, I learned um, I learned about the new app called Realistic Paint Studio, which I've even made a couple of YouTube videos about. So that's been really fun. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform you can also subscribe via email and you can also check out the article on medium all the links should be in the description wherever you are listening to this and uh, with that I will end this episode here thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week for another episode of the pixel paper podcast bye